Welcome to Dentists, Puns, and Money. I am your host, Sean Terrell, and we have a little something different for you today. Instead of asking questions, I'm on the other end, answering questions instead. This episode is a replay of a guest appearance I made on the Mommy Dentists in Business podcast, and it was originally recorded in the summer of 2022. The podcast is hosted by Dr. Grace Young, who started as a pediatric dentist in Chicago, but has since relocated to California, where she's currently growing her mommy dentists in business empire. Dr. Grace and I discuss how dentists of all career stages can think about financial planning and why the most important piece of planning is first helping each dentist identify what they want out of life, broadly speaking. There's also some casual banter about sports and music mixed in here, so proceed with caution if you're bored by either topic. Hey, as a reminder, our company, Dentist Exit Planning, helps dentists leaving clinical with the financial pieces of that transition, specifically how to build a financial treatment plan for your life after dentistry. If you're interested in guidance on your taxes and your income as you exit clinical, you can schedule an initial consultation with us on our website. That website is DentistExit.com. And with that introduction, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dr. Grace Young. Hello, and welcome to Mommy Dentist and Business Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Grace Yum. Welcome back, listeners, and thank you so much for subscribing to our podcast. I'm very blessed to have you guys as listeners, and I'm excited for today's guest. We have Mr. Sean Terrell from Dentist Exit, and he is a founder and financial planner of his own company, Dentist Exit, where you can go to the website, dentistexit.com. And I am excited to have him because, well, one, I was on his show and two, he's going to teach us some pearls today. So I hope you have your listening ears on, turn them on, and we are ready to rock and roll. Welcome to the show, Sean. Thank you, Dr. Grace. Great to be here. And I, I appreciate the opportunity. No, I'm so glad you're here and we always love learning new things. So before we do a deep dive, let's set the stage and let the listeners get to know you and who you are. What would you like to tell our listeners as far as setting the stage? Sure. So I'll try to keep it to the Reader's Digest version. I am (laughs) based in Iowa. I'm born and raised Iowa boy. Graduated from the University of Iowa in the year 2000 and then spent the next 10 years as a sports anchor, a sportscaster, and also doing some sports talk radio kind of throughout uh, the Midwest, Iowa and Missouri. And in 2011, I went in a totally opposite direction. I decided I didn't want to work in television or the media any longer. And I Mm -hmm. got into finance and financial planning Mm -hmm. and worked with an insurance company for probably about 10 years in there. And very early on in my career, I started working with dentists sort of as part of the clientele that I worked with. Mm -hmm. And then just through the course of time, it got to be more and more dentists and launched my own firm specifically and exclusively to work with dentists on their financial planning issues, problems, concerns in 2021. And um, just a little bit more of a year into being completely on my own with my, my own firm and my new service model. Yeah, so that's sort of a a real short, brief snapshot into kind of where I started and where I am today. I think that's really cool that you were in broadcasting and sports. So, of course, I have to ask you, what is your favorite professional team and what sport do you like the best? 
So baseball will always have my heart. I'm okay. a Cubs fan. My okay. mom grew up in Chicago and I, mm-hmm. my North earliest, <laughs> yeah, she did grow up on the North side actually. And so my earliest childhood memories was going to my first Cubs game in 1985. Aww. So 2016 was just a dream come true for me as a lifelong Cubs fan. As we record this in 2022, I've had to emotionally detach from the Cubs and where they are right now, <laughs> just because, you know, they, they sold off all of our favorite players that we were, that we fell in love with. So, oh, and I'm, are you a Cubs fan too? I am. My practice was like four blocks away. And so oh, we would geez. walk to games and my street parking, you know, during the season, it was like, you can't park all these dates. And I had to get like passes from the aldermen for my employees to park their cars. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And we used to go as a team to the Cubs game. So I completely know that attachment and that fondness. And there's really nothing like Wrigley. I mean, oh, I mean it's, beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful stadium. It has a vintage feel to it. And there's so much history there. It's beautiful. And it's always cool for me to think about how like my grandfather and my great grandfather like grew up going to Cubs games there because it's been around for over a hundred years. So yes, yeah, yes. there's 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 definitely something magical about it, even though they're not very good currently. No, but you know, it comes in waves. And for those of you guys who are listening, if you've been to Wrigley, the bleachers are, are where you're supposed to sit. <laughs> but now they have tall buildings around the stadium where you can rent out, you know, rooftops and They've really changed the area. I don't know if you've been back since, but they've really changed and modified the area and the neighborhood. So cubbies all the way. So I'm so glad to hear that. When you made that transition, you know, when you pivoted from broadcasting, like, was that sad and hard or were you kind of like, okay, I'm done with this. I need to transition. You know, it was a little bit sad because to me, it felt like I was giving up on my dream a little Mm -hmm. bit. And, you know, I I didn't go to a really good, I went to the University of Iowa, which at the time didn't have like some rock star broadcast journalism school. So Mm -hmm. I sort of worked my way up as an intern and a production assistant, and then eventually Mm -hmm. got my first shot at being on the air Mm -hmm. and kind of took that as, as, as far as I could take it. But what I saw was that, you know, especially when you work in sports, you know, all the big games happen at night and on the weekends and on holidays and just 10 years of that schedule. I just didn't see myself wanting to do that forever. It's grueling. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing was, you know, I I really liked Iowa. I sort of made my way back to Iowa and worked for a station in in Des Moines uh, where I still live in the Des Moines area. And, you know, I, to move up, you kind of got to keep market hopping and, and going to different places. And I really just didn't want to move to a different place every two or three years. I really liked Iowa and kind of wanted to stay there and put down roots there. Well, no, it's like professional players. They get moved around. And I did see a lot of the Cubs players and the Blackhawks players kids only to a certain age, though. When they're little, the wives would come and move. But when they're from somewhere else, after they were in school full time, they stopped coming. Mm hmm. So I get it. Like, it's so hard unless they're ingratiated in the community. One of the pitchers, they were really ingratiated in the community and part of the school system. And for me as a pediatric dentist, I would ask the Cubs Slayers wives, like, how did you find me? And she's like, you're on the wives list of Mm. vendors. Like they all pass it down to each other. Like when they're new to the area, like who to go for your dentist? Who do you go for the pediatrician? Where do you go for a haircut? And they have their own list they circulate. Oh, wow. So you must've done something right to get on that list originally though. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, you know, very pleased and we had a lot of great famous, you know, stars come through 
And that was really fun. But when I had to leave, you know, when I sold, that was one part that I really missed is my patients. And I can imagine when you pivot to something else, you miss part of that. And, but, you know, you did such a wild change. It wasn't like a pseudo change. <laughs> you went straight into finance. So like, how did you pick finance, right? And like money. And then how did you even go even to a further niche as into like dentistry? Yeah, I know. Good question. So you know, I worked in television and I wanted something that was kind of the opposite of that, which was a lot better hours, a lot more control over your life and yes. a lot better money than working yes. in the media. Is. Yes. And so I looked at all the big things that, you know, were sort of quote unquote in sales, like medical device sales. And mm. I just, I treated that whole process of finding whatever my next step was going to be, whatever my future was going to be moving forward, my new career, sort of like a journalist. I just interviewed a lot of people or I had coffee mm -hmm. with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And as I kind of did that with, a, you know, a dozen or a couple dozen different people, I somehow got in, interested a little bit more in being a financial advisor. And I sort of always have been someone who thought about money and kind of a numbers mm -hmm. guy. Mm -hmm. And so that's what it was. There was, I, I met the right people at the right time who kind of taught me a few things about money that I didn't know. I thought of myself, this would have been my early thirties and I kind of had made the first 10 years out of college. And I'm like, well, I, I know a little bit about what I'm doing. And then I realized as I went through that process and met a few people that there's really more to understanding how to handle my money, how my money works, then I realized. And if someone who's well-educated and kind of has that as a, an interest already didn't know all these things, then there's probably a lot of missing information that's out there. So that's kind of the first piece of it. And then, you know, when you start in the financial services industry, most people, the first clients they sort of work with are their friends and family. Yes. And <laughs> if anyone listening has ever had a friend or a family get into the financial services industry, you've probably been called a, a few times from that person when they first get started, which is not a great mark for the industry. But I did have a friend who was a D4 in dental school at the University of Iowa right around the time that I got into the business, so to speak. And just in talking to him about what he was kind of trying to figure out, one of the first products, if you will, that I that I learned about and learned sort of how to how to sell was disability insurance. And disability insurance, I I think, was and continues to be a, an important piece of the financial picture for dentists. Mm -hmm. And we were just at an Iowa football tailgate, you know, one time. And he's like, you know, you should come do. They have these things called lunch and learns, where people come in and talk about something that's of interest and of use to learn about for all the dental students. And you should do one of these lunch and learns. You got to buy us all free pizza, but you know, <laughs> you'll get to meet all of my, the 79 other people in my class and who knows, maybe it'll lead to some business for you. So that was kind of the initial foothold into starting to work with dentists. And I figured out more and more about disability insurance and did more and more disability insurance until I finally got to the point where, while I still am a big proponent and consider myself someone who can help with disability insurance. That wasn't all I wanted to be forever, I guess. So that led me to eventually trying to help with everything else in the picture and, and starting my own firm. That's great. I mean, that's really, really a good story and strategy and getting from point A to point B and having, I guess, the courage, you know, to start your own thing. It's not easy. So that takes a lot of courage and skills. It's a different skill set when you have your own business. You really pour your heart and soul into it. And so I think that's really great. Thank you. Yeah. No. So kudos to you. I wanted to pivot in this conversation and kind of go into what you teach dentists and how you help dentists, especially from a financial planning strategy. So the first question I have for you 
is when should dentists start even thinking about creating a strategy or plan with their finances only because we're in so much debt, you know, from Mm -hmm. whether there's college debt or dental school debt. I think people assume that doctors make a lot of money, but they are kind of set back a little bit just because they've been in school for so long and then they have to chisel away at their loans. So when do they start? Because they're already overwhelmed with being in the red. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have a lot of empathy for what you guys, well, there's just so many decisions for a dentist coming out of dental school. (laughs) I don't even know how, you know, I've just seen the overwhelm so many different times on trying to figure out where they're going to go practice. Are they going to associate or start their own thing? Are they going to get married, buy a house? There's just so many decisions, getting credentials with insurance companies. And so, you know, understanding how to at least lay the groundwork or build the basic framework of a long-term financial plan can get put on the back burner. But I think it is really important for to answer your question directly about the best time to at least start. It is that D4 year and that first year that you that you graduate dental school, at least get some of the basic built, what I would call building blocks or principles in place very, very early in your dental career. And I'm happy to dive into a couple of those building blocks or principles if you think that would be helpful to hear for your audience. Absolutely. So D4 when they have no money, (laughs) what should a D4 or new dentist start with? So with all the debt, it's here's an important distinction. Like and, and dentists are going to have to get used to this. Just because you owe a lot of money doesn't mean you cannot spend money on anything else. You're just going to have to keep doubling down a little bit. And so where I'm going with that is it probably makes sense to spend a little bit more money on really good disability insurance and maybe some life insurance as well, just to sort of lock in that insurability while you're as young and you're healthy as you can be very, very early in your dental career. Do it cost effectively and, and with sort of a strategy behind it. But that's one of the first things that someone should do. And that can be really hard when, you know, there's no money coming in yet. And the student loan payment of two or $3,000 a month is, is due very, very soon. But yeah. those are a couple of the big pieces is sort of locking your insurability from the really big things that can take you away from mm-hmm. practicing dentistry. Because if you're coming out of dental school, you've made this huge, huge investment in both time and money and energy to being a dentist, right? right? And the expectation of the income that comes with that, you would never make that time and money investment in dental school if, you know, you were going to go out and work in a cubicle and to use a really simple example and just make $50,000 a year, that wouldn't make any sense. Right. And so you have to protect that investment as much as you can from the big things that can take it away, like an illness, mm-hmm. an injury, you know, death in some instances malpractice, get really good malpractice insurance, which is not my specialty, but something that I think most dentists understand is important. General liability insurance, probably a good thing too. Those are some of the big pieces. And then sort of to add on to that, as much as you can, just start a really, really basic savings plan really early in your career as well. Even if it's only like 50 bucks or a hundred bucks a month, just Mm -hmm. to start to build that muscle because it's really hard to Start that initially, and it'll just be easier to increase that amount as more cash flow or income gets freed up with the debt going away and the practice being paid off and some of the other expenses going away. I think it's really important for young people to know that. So, you know, for those that are practicing a while, they're done with their loans for school, but they have a practice loan. What do you recommend for them? 
this is the really big question that a lot of dentists have to answer once they start to get a little bit of traction with their career is, okay, you, you have a little bit of free cash flow or free money. Where do you put it? Do you pay down debt? Do you invest it in the practice? Do you start a second practice? Do you move it to the personal balance sheet and invest it there? So it really kind of depends. I think the first place that I try to get people to go is pull back and go a little bit more high level. Like, what are you solving for? Mm-hmm. Where are you trying to get eventually? But yeah, so you could do all those things. You could pay, you could accelerate debt payments personally or inside the business, depending on what the tax ramifications are of doing that. But yeah, there's there's just a lot of options that are available in that situation. But but to your point, you know, I, I think it is a lot of time dentists are 40 before they can really start to hammer down on saving for their retirement because it does sometimes take that long to pay off student loans and pay off the practice and, you know, figure out kind of where you want to live and get, get in your, for lack of a better word, kind of like your, your forever home and figure out what your family is going to look like. And once you kind of have all those pieces in place, which can take 10 or 15 years, that's really a good time to start to hammer down if you can on socking as much money away to get to a place where you can eventually have the option to not practice anymore, financially sure. speaking, if you don't want to. There's a lot of things at play. You know, you had mentioned disability, malpractice insurance. You've mentioned, you know, socking money away in retirement. And for me, having gone through this process as well, it takes discipline. It's not easy. It's not easy to live within your means. It's not easy to put money away. It's just, I think, takes a lot of willpower. And therefore, I think it's nice to have a planner to help with each step and saying, you need to set aside X dollars a month or quarter. You also have to save money for taxes. So you're not like slammed with a huge tax bill. But then if you're a practice owner, you know, being able to provide a 401k or retirement fund for your employees is huge too. And I know that it's overwhelming. And and for some dentists, it doesn't make any sense. And so it's nice to have experts like yourself guide people so that they can be responsible, one, with their money, and two, have enough for a rainy day, right? Because you need like an emergency fund. And then you need money, obviously, to retire on. What is the age now that you see most people, or at least dentists, retiring? I would struggle to to put an age on Mm -hmm. that. Because so many, I see so many dentists, there's this wide spectrum of different dentists that are solving for different things. Mm-hmm. Like I work with one dentist who is in his thirties and he has, he's has no desire to ever have kids. He's sort of a lifeaholic and his entire goal is to be financially independent from having to practice by the time he's 45. That's aggressive. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he keeps his personal overhead really low because mm-hmm. of that and lives mm-hmm. a modest lifestyle because he wants to have the option and the freedom to explore other interests and things earlier in his life than maybe some other dentists have the opportunity to do. At the other end of the spectrum, I, I work with a client who has four kids and he did a startup practice and he doesn't care how long he practices you know, he, as long as he's physically able, he could practice till he's 75 or mm-hmm. he wouldn't, he'd be okay with that mm-hmm. as long as he can help all four of his kids with as much as their education as he possibly can. Sure. So those are two really different problem sets and kind of, you know, like there's different formulas for how to solve that based mm-hmm. on what people really want out of their life. Sure. And so I guess what my job is, is to first try to pull that out of people and then 
sort of come up with a plan for how to reach what they're trying to achieve big, really big picture wise out of their life. And then let them know the different levers to use an analogy that they can pull to sort of reach those things. Like you want to retire by the time you're 45 or be independent from dentistry by the time you're 45, you got to really live a modest lifestyle. If you don't care how long you practice, then yeah, you can drive fancy cars and take nice vacations and take every Friday off. Like it's really in no judgment either way. It's just really about figuring out what works for you. What do you want? And then understanding that financially, there's going to be trade-offs associated with whatever, whatever path works for you. You know, it's interesting. I feel like a lot of people have to think about that, you know, like what is the end game and then work backwards and meeting with someone like you to help plan their strategy on at what age they want to retire, what age they want to slow down or be less stressed, right? Like there's always like a number, right? Like you need a certain number to hit. It's tricky because it's like, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Right. You're Mm -hmm. just going to assume that you're going to live to 100 or whatever. And there's no plan for what will happen today, even or tomorrow. And so some people have like the you only live once mindset, like YOLO. Mm -hmm. And then there's some that, like, if I'm 55 and I want to retire, I need this to hit this number. Or if I want to retire at 45, I need to hit this number. If I want to, so it's kind of like a game in a way to set those goals. But also for me, it's a balancing act. Cause I mean, I know my husband is in that mindset of like, when I hit this age, I'm done. And I'm kind of like, I'll be done when you're done. But at the same time, I'm like, I want the option to not have to be done and continue what I'm doing if I want to. And the beauty of that is like, there's no pressure, especially if you are in a relationship or have a partner. I think that it's a little less stressful, but when you're the sole breadwinner, it might be more stressful. So every situation is different. But I do know that there are times I look at my husband, I'm like, you're working so hard that you're not even enjoying life. You know, like you need that phrase or saying, it's like work to live or live to work. And it's kind of like, okay, I'm watching you work so hard because every year you want to hit this number. And it's kind of like, you need to stop and smell the roses. (laughs) Like, I get that you want to retire early, but like you are not enjoying life. That's such a good point. And that's something that I'm more wired to to be like how you describe your husband or I have been wired in the past. And what I've really learned through the pandemic and maybe getting a little bit older is that this is the only time I ever try to impart my values on other people is maybe just encourage people to not delay living until like they're 65 or 70 or whatever that magic number is for retirement in their head. Because in doing this 11 years now, I've just seen so many examples not necessarily my clients, but just anecdotally for people I know, just so many examples of people that put all their eggs in that retirement 20 years from now basket that never got the retirement Mm -hmm. because their health changed or even worse, they didn't live that long. And so one of the good things about the pandemic for me was it helped shift my priorities a little bit more into what was important and make sure that if I don't have a retirement, personally me, if it doesn't look like you know, I want it to look that at least I had these little mini retirements or tiny sabbaticals or just long weekends along the way that I really enjoyed as much as I could out of life before something out of my control made the quote unquote retirement different than I thought it was going to be. Absolutely. And I think that's part of like the balancing act because yes, you want to hit goals, but at the same time, try to spend time with your family and loved ones. And balancing is purely what it, it takes. So, and, and you identified that, you know, that could be a, not necessarily a mistake, but that could just be something that's a detriment to dentists when they're working towards financial independence. 
if you have a client that's like that, what do you say to them? Like, I know that your job is to help them get there, but I mean, do you ever say to interject and say, Hey, I know that these are your calls, but you need to slow down. I've tried (laughs) for a few. And before I even go there, like there's other people that are at the other end of the spectrum too, that I'm going to be like, okay, that house is probably a little too big. Those cars are probably a little more than you need right now relative to how much you've mm-hmm. saved to this point in your career. Mm-hmm. But for the ones that are taking it to the other extreme, I try to encourage them to do things that, you know, I think sometimes people are scared that if they let their foot off the gas, that something is going to go wrong. Sure. And so it's hard to get them out of whatever mindset that is or however that became ingrained in them. But I try and say, hey, yeah. you know, you know, you're making... <laughs> high six figures and you have like $5 million in the bank and you're 45, like it's okay to take Fridays off to take your three young kids to the zoo or whatever it is. And sometimes people need to hear that. Right. No. Um, And permission. I think people permission. Very good. Yes. You know, to be like, Hey, you can go ahead, especially from a female perspective, like go ahead and buy those Jimmy shoes. <laughs> like, go ahead and get that handbag that you want. Like, it's okay to splurge once in a while. I think people always think they're going to run out of money or they feel guilty, you know? And I think women especially feel guilty about spending money if it's not on their family or their practice and on themselves. And that's like a totally different story. But I definitely see that amongst women. And for single women, like if you have any widows or clients that are single moms, what do you do with their money? Like, what's the first thing you tell them to invest in? I think the principles stay the same. It's mm-hmm. in, in this example, you're talking about someone who practices and has a good dental career and good yes. income there, but it yes. just has a lot of people that they're supporting. Yes. So the best way, just really generically speaking, to grow your money long-term outside of a dental practice is just through investing in equities. And so in general, that's you know one of the, recommendations I would make to someone that's trying to grow their money. I hate to to hedge, but it depends. (laughs) This is sort of the answer I would give to that. I think my work would just have to be mindful as that is a, you know, if that's the central theme of kind of what money means to her supporting other people, then I think all the planning decisions around that would have to factor in. I think that these are all good points, all good things that everyone needs to listen to. But as far as like investing goes, like what you said to invest in and you just said equities. Yeah, that was probably too much industry speak. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Like, what do you mean by invest in equities? Is that private equity or like, could you explain a little further? It could be private equity. My experience is in public equity or publicly traded companies. And so that's just in general terms, the stock market and all the, all the companies that are available there to invest mm-hmm, in. Mm-hmm. And then not only in America, but also globally, diversify in all markets. And yeah, just own a, in your portfolio, a, a lot of different companies from a lot of different areas and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. try to focus on the ones that historically over long the long term have done the best and keep it as simple as possible there. But maybe to take it one step further, the, the strategy that I'm in, Point currently, and I, I'm so excited about thanks to technologies available to people at a much lower price point, is a strategy called direct investing. Okay. And the way that works is it allows people to invest directly in stocks without going through like a mutual fund or some other fund company. And that it allows some advantage from a cost perspective and also mm-hmm. starting at a much lower price point and has been available with that strategy in the past. 
And then also there's some tax savings that comes into play with that strategy as well. Tax loss harvesting, tax gain harvesting, that comes with the ability to use a direct investment inside of an index. That sounds great. That's probably about uh, as far hard, inside yeah. baseball that I should go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that, you know, I think you have to like obviously learn a little more about it if you're not used to all the terminology. But I think it's really interesting that it's like everyone has options. And I think you just have to research your options and see what's the best fit for yourself. So I think that that's really insightful for any of our listeners who haven't teamed up with a financial advisor. I guess, what would you say to them to say like, hey, you really should have a financial advisor and this is why? So this is something that sort of answer that question indirectly first. I've learned through my age that I you can't, it's really hard to help someone if they don't think that they have a problem to begin right. with. Absolutely. And so that's easier in dentistry because what's the problem that most people come into the office with when they have a problem? The toothache. Yeah, it's pain. Pain, it's, right. it's acute. It needs to be fixed right now. Right, right. It's very rare for someone to wake up in the morning and say, oh, today is the day I'm going to solve my financial planning problem. <laughs> so, it's, so a lot of times it takes some sort of trigger or life event that kind of spurs people to action. But it has to start with someone's realization that they can't figure all these things out on their own or okay. they don't want to try to figure all these things out on their own because sure, it's sure. too complicated and there's too many moving parts and it's fluid. It's always changing. Right. So, so that has to, I always try to understand when I start working with someone, like, do they really think they have a problem mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. do they really want someone else to solve it? Right. Now I work with dentists that are sort of do it yourselfers that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. want to solve that problem themselves and have an interest in doing it. And I don't like fear mongering. So I, my advice to people that are DIYers is that it might work out okay doing it by yourself. I think you get asked the question, is that the highest and best uh, use of right, your time? <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> like, right, right. Like, should you just hire someone to do that and pay them and mm -hmm, then either mm -hmm. spend time with the people and things that you love mm -hmm. and not do Exactly, and, exactly. Or are you sitting there, you know, trying to read and educate yourself and do it by yourself? Right. Or Go to your chair and do what you're really good at or make the most money at doing, right? Right. It, like stay in your lane. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, sort of, but really. But yeah, no, that all makes complete sense to me. Like you said, like nobody has a realization until they're pushed to think about that. Like what is a push in general that you've seen? Like people come to you and say like, okay, I need to do this because X, Y, Z. You know, having getting married, having a having a baby. A lot of times there's this middle zone. You know, sometimes it's paying off the practice, like, okay, now I have this free cash flow. I was paying ten thousand dollars a month on my sure, loan and now right. it's paid off. And right, I should probably right. not spend that ten thousand dollars, but instead invest it. <laughs> put it somewhere for my future self. So those are sort of the the life events or the triggers that can lead someone to like make that step. And then just in general, I think getting closer to the quote unquote stereotypical retirement age of 55 or 60 and just realizing that it's starting to get real and there's a lot of moving parts. And to what I was saying earlier, like a dentist realizing that they don't mm -hmm. want to try to figure right. all that stuff out on their own. There's definitely people that are like, okay, do it for me versus I'm going to do it for myself. If there's a big personality gap. I'm of the mindset of like, oh yeah, no, somebody do this for me. And maybe to add on to that point, I think, so 
and you are really good at marketing. I can tell with with what you do. So with what my marketing, what I have to do, it's counterintuitive. And I've had to learn this over time as I mm-hmm, actually just mm-hmm. try to understand what the problems are for a lot mm-hmm. of dentists that I see sure, and then sure, talk sure. about those problems. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And, Part and of it is listening. People have to be open to, and that's, you know, I'm not a dentist, but I'm sort of have that type A, do it yourself, rugged individualist mindset that a lot of sure. dentists have. Sure. And I think the problem that can exist is they've had to figure it out on their own because they didn't know yes. how to find or where to find good help. And they've just sort of always done it that way. And it's because of that, it's maybe gotten hard because they had a bad experience or they've just figured kind of out how to do it on their own. It can be really hard for someone to say, okay, now I really needed to bring in the pro. Right, right. <laughs> to help with all these pieces. So maybe to circle back that, you know, like I just talk about a lot of the things that I think are can be issues for dentists in planning for retirement that they don't necessarily think about or know about that can be a problem, like how to reduce taxes, how to actually figure out how to replace your active dental income that you generate and the lifestyle that you built around that expectation. How do you transition from living off practicing dentistry to living off of, you know, your 401k and all your other investments that you've built mm-hmm, up, hopefully, mm-hmm. along the way? Lots of great information here that we just unpacked and a lot for people to chew on and think about. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way? So just, I would say, go to my website and check out my website that sort of has the who, what, when, where, and why of what mm-hmm. I do and who I work with. That's dentistexit.com, dentistexit.com. Two options there for people that all of a sudden realize that they do need help. You know, the, the call to action there is to, to schedule just a discovery call with me, uh, an initial consultation to have a conversation, get to know each other a little bit and figure out if working together may or may not be a fit. For people that are like, oh, this sounds interesting, but now is not the right time. They mm-hmm. haven't felt that pain mm-hmm. or had that trigger right. yet. The really simple thing to do would just be to sign up for my email newsletter, which there's like a pop-up that comes up within 10 seconds oh, of being on my site. Okay. Just put your name and your your email address in there. And that's a great way to sort of keep up to date with what I'm doing and how I'm helping other dentists and without, you know, feeling like it's a great way to stay in touch indirectly, I guess, with some of these things that I try to help people with. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that. You know, because you're a sports buff, I think we should end with a really fun trivia question. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? I, I am. <laughs> okay. I know this is like so random. So what are, you probably already know this, but what are the three teams in the NBA that don't end in S? The Heat? Uh-huh. The Magic? Uh-huh. Is it an expansion team or a, a team that's changed names somewhere along the way? Or is it nope. like one that's been around for a while? One that's been around. Doesn't end in S. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Lynx, but that's a WNBA team, right? Yeah, no. Nope. I'm blanking. What's the last okay, one? Okay, I'll give you a hint. The Mailman. Oh, the Jazz. Yes. Jazz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love basketball. Or like, I grew up watching a lot of basketball because of Jordan, you know. Okay. And my mom, so when my dad retired... My mom was like, I can't stay at home with your dad. <laughs> so, And this is before the grandkids came along. So she found a job at a dry cleaners in Highland Park. Oh, wow. And my sister was a basketball player. And so, and she was on varsity captain of the basketball team. They won state champ, et cetera. And so my parents went to all the basketball games. And of course, many back then it was the Chicago stadium, not the United Center. So we went to a lot of 
games. And so one day she was working and a Bulls player came in and she didn't recognize him. And so she she loves to joke around and stuff. And she's like, I don't know who you are. She's like, do you sit on the bench? <laughs> so he was like, no, I play for real. And she was like, yeah, right. And so the next time he came, he brought like jerseys that were signed and like tickets to the basketball game. All right, who was it? Because I, I don't, I don't even I was... remember. It was so long ago. I should call her and ask her. He wasn't like a really like famous Bulls player. So like, even for me, I was like, who is this guy? And wasn't so like she... Rodman or Jor- or Pippen no, or anybody like that. No, okay. no, 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 no. He, he was like Bill Wennington or Bill Cartwright no, or no. Bill Cartwright's famous. Like I always say, he was like Ron something. No, Ron Harper. Har- no, it wasn't Harper. He, he looked like Ron Har- Harper. He reminded me of Ron Harper. Oh God, I have to call my mom and ask, but she just totally like put him through the ringer. It was hilarious. And so she's like, well, once you have grandkids, she's like, I'm going to give the jerseys to the grandkids, et cetera. And one time she actually met Michael Jordan while she was playing golf. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so she waited for him until he was at the last hole, but she was like, he has like bodyguards and like security around when he's playing. And she waited, you know, respectfully till he was done with his last shot. And she was like, she's this short little Korean lady. She's like, Michael, Michael. (laughs) And he let her come through, you know, the security. And he gave my mom a hug and kissed her on the cheek. It was so cute. Like we went out to dinner, like with my family. She was like going on and on about how Michael Jordan kissed her on the cheek. My dad's like rolling his eyes. (laughs) (laughs) It was so cute. I was, uh, you know, it's so, it's just fun to have all these like memories and sports for me. It just brings people together, you know? And I think that like, dentistry when we talk about dentistry and our colleagues there's a lot that bring us together but i think that music and sports are two things that like are universal it's like a universal language i agree those are two of my favorite things i'm a huge sports fan and i'm actually kind of a music buff too and in fact uh the last couple times i've been at wrigley field at the united center were not for games they were for pearl jam concerts pearl jam i love pearl jam eddie better all the way that's awesome yeah i've like seen him 30 sometimes so i'm really yeah yeah oh my gosh that's fantastic yeah i actually went to wrigley to see oh gosh now i'm drawing a blank with my husband we went with his friends and we saw shoot it's kind of in that same genre not it wasn't Pearl Jam it was in that same genre but they were fighters no but oh my gosh but you know what one of my husband's best friends his wife is best friends with the drummer's wife that died oh no Taylor Hawkins Taylor Hawkins yeah he lives in Laguna Beach yeah that's right yeah I'm a drummer so I'm such a oh you are big Taylor Hawkins hard so yeah so when he passed they flew into town and they called us and said they needed a babysitter because all of their friends were in town for, you know, services and everything. And so I had to help find babysitters. And of course, like, we're not personal friends, although like my husband's met his wife, mm-hmm. but it was really tragic. It was That's so super sad, super sad, super sad, but But anyway, I digress. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your tips and for listeners. I hope, you know, you'll think about where you're putting your, your money. Was it Snoop Dogg that says, or no, was it Snoop? I don't know. I've got my money on my mind and my mind on my money. (laughs) I think that was Snoop Dogg. (laughs) Isn't that Snoop Dogg? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's it, folks. 
Have a great day. And Sean, I hope one day we'll meet in person in real life. Thanks for listening and following along. Are you a dentist nearing your retirement from clinical or have you already hung up your handpiece? Would you like a treatment plan for the financial components of your exit from clinical? Our company, Dentist Exit Planning, helps dentists like you reduce taxes in retirement and optimize how to best live off your assets, including the ideal time for you to start taking Social Security. If you'd like guidance on those critical pieces or just a second opinion, schedule an initial consultation with us on our website. Our web address is dentistexit.com and there's no obligation for your initial consultation. That website again, dentistexit.com. As a reminder, Dentist Exit Planning and Terrell Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor. The information presented should not be interpreted or construed as investment, legal, tax, financial planning, or wealth management advice. It does not substitute for personalized investment or financial planning from Dentist Exit Planning or Terrell Advisors, LLC. Please consult with your accountant and attorney for tax and legal advice. This podcast conveys the views and opinions of Sean Terrell and his guests, and the information herein should not be considered a solicitation to engage in a particular investment, tax planning, or financial planning strategy. Information presented is for educational purposes only, and past performance is not indicative of future results.